0: Cosmic Christ Podcast, channeling the mind of Christ, with your host, Ascended Master and Enlightenment Instructor, Reva Christ. Theme music, Tears of Joy, by David Feslian, FeslianStudios.com.
1: Welcome to Channeling Christ. I'm Reva Christ, and we are on Season 2, Episode 8, The Personification of God. Mercy Heavens joins me for this discussion. Hello, Mercy. Hello, Reva. How are you today? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. As all religions and spiritual practices that feature a deity personify their deities in order to empower humans with the idea they are God, I believe this method of teaching overstimulates the human imagination driving illusion into delusion. All of free enterprise is based on delusion, which is an oxymoron because nothing is free. In free enterprise, everything is for sale. You just have to look for the price tag, and sometimes it's well hidden. The price you pay may not be in money. It may be in the sacrifice of your time, your energy, or your intelligence. If you sacrifice your intelligence, you literally have nothing to think with you will be lost in a sea of imbalance, unable to think clearly or coherently. There will be no cohesion for your thoughts. You will not be able to remain focused, sound, sane, or stable for too long. The free enterprise of the human economy is life-consuming, and it produces nothing but toxic results for the mind, the body, and the planet. The damage is already done to those who have already been living on the planet, and each new generation of youth are being prepped for damage. Through the education systems of the world that teach service to the economy, on the contrary, the mind is programmed to sink. Between man's corrupt thinking, man's violent actions and industries, and his self-serving systems, there is nowhere to go. The feeding of delusions must stop somewhere. So I take it upon myself to promote intelligence as the road to improving the quality of the mind quality is always forsaken in the human economy. Quantity and false appearances are emphasized, and this is the same thing as selling delusions. While the senses are overstimulated, the human mind is clogged and in a fog, and this makes it prime for programming and service to the masters that run the economy. Fortunately, I'm intelligent, so I can promote an intelligent alternative. My talent and my gifts are in intelligence. No, I'm not intelligent according to man's invented brand of intelligence. My intelligence is ascended. I hold intelligence that is insightful, intuitive, discerning, comprehensive, logical, rational, and reasonable aligned to the precision of the immaculate intelligence of the creator, which is also the essence of intelligence and the essence of life without form, shape, or dimension. I often speak of the first dimension that I have experienced, even as a child. I use many descriptive terms to bring this dimension to others. But one thing I have neglected to say is this dimension is alive. It is a living, intelligent dimension with no form or shape to it. It is open consciousness, full of the highest potential of all life, and it radiates potential at its highest. And when my senses encounter this radiance, my senses are infused with peace, stability, contentment, calmness, security, tranquility, serenity, hope, and miraculous potential. My senses are inspired, uplifted, emancipated, and liberated from all lower states, including the lower condition of mortality. I am no longer human. I am one with the field.
0: I do not exist
1: in matter anymore. I am in perfect unison with the perfect intelligence of the Creator. At the same time, I still have awareness of my lower perception. I know I am not this perfect intelligence. I am aware of all my human information, and I know I am mortal. But I am now ignited with a flame that is divine and holy because of its purity. And I know I do not want to be the sum of the lower. I want to leave the lower, I want to ascend to join with the higher immaculate intelligence that envelops me in its ethereal fold. I am filled with hope and this feels like amazing things are going to happen, wonderful things. The experience is exquisite and it is completely absent of any weight or any mortal presence or human information. Even I do not have a human presence. I only carry the memory of the human presence, and this resides somewhere below where I am. This glorious experience comes over me. It is truly like being called to God, for there is nothing so perfect or sublime. There is nothing so miraculously powerful as this experience that lifts the soul out of the shell of its containment and engages it so perfectly and delicately in the divinity of heaven, and yet not one human word is spoken. It is all perfect, sensual communication. And when I find I am back on earth in my flesh form, I am still also there in a higher place, and I am left feeling loved. But this is no mortal love. This is not unstable or tentative based on a return. There is no uncertainty, no insecurity. This is fulfillment and wholeness. This is completeness. Perhaps this is what Jesus experienced. I can only speak for myself, and my experience did not leave me feeling a part of man's world. It made me want to ascend to the higher world permanently. I wanted to give up everything to be there. But now that I am in my sixth decade of life, and I have so many years of experience, I know I already am there, even though my body is on earth. There is no separation between my mind and the intelligent creator, because I never allowed there to be a separation. No matter what mortal information I encountered, if it did not serve the immortal intelligence I experienced, I discarded it. I knew perfection. I wasn't going to settle for less. I cannot put the experience into human terms because it is not a human experience. It is an intelligent experience for the mind, and it is not for the human mind. It is an experience for the non-human. Alpha mind. There has never been a person in my encounters with the intelligence of creation. Even I was no longer a person, so I cannot personify God, and I cannot subscribe to the personification of God, and I cannot continue the pattern of religious rhetoric that is parroted by others. They all learned human opinions about God and religion. This is their expertise. They are experts in their memories. But I was touched by the intelligence of creation, and the intelligence of creation is not human. It is pure ethereal intelligence, full of the highest potential of all possibilities, but absent of all manifest results. The experience is delicate, refined, sophisticated, and exquisite. There is nothing man offers that can touch this. He doesn't even come close. My experience is incompatible with mortality and man's opinions. Man doesn't think that high. Look at the earth. See what man produces. See the results of man's work. His thoughts, his work, his religions, his propaganda, his deadly, cruel industries. These things are the antithesis of exquisite, delicate, refined, sophisticated intelligence. Surrender? Never. Surrender is for the unknowing mortal. There is no unknowing mortal that can teach me what I know. They can't even begin to grasp what I know. I teach because I serve what I know. I have already arrived. I know where my destiny lies when my prison term in mortality ends. Your fate lies with what you know. Delusion leads to a destiny of delusion. Violence leads to a destiny of violence. I know I will enjoy the exquisite, ethereal, delicate, sophisticated, and divine I appreciate the work you do as a theologian, raising the standard of human interpretation of morality, ethics, holiness, and divinity. I'm proud of what you do. No one teaches what you teach, and what you teach should have been taught from the beginning. It is because of my admiration and respect for your teaching that when I took on this project, I set it up with two teaching systems in mind. Where all of man's education industries only teach man's opinion. We have two teaching systems under one roof, channeling Christ for the moral and intellectual advancement of the mind. You hold the expert authority in your field, which includes your expertise in telepathic science, psychic science, and theology. And I hold the expert authority in my field that includes telepathic science, empathic science, ascension, transcendence, and astral science. Our roads are paved differently But our destination is the same. We are both ascended and choose to evolve, so all the trappings of mortality remain in the third dimension of the matter world, including the trappings of attachments to human information, human emotions, human leanings, longings, cravings, and so on. I have explained my journey, my perspective, and the reason behind the work I do through my extended experience. Have you had an Ascended experience that inspired your journey
0: and perspective and the work that you do? My Ascended experience came when I was an infant. I just instinctively was fully aware that I did not want to be born. Now, as an infant, you're probably saying to yourself, how in the world did you know you did not want to be born? First off, our mother used to tell us a story that when I was younger, my first words were, om diga. As I got older, I knew what I was trying to say was, oh my God. I knew I was trying to say, oh my God, because that's how I felt my entire life. And what I felt was, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. And it sounds like you didn't say that in jubilation. No, I wasn't in jubilation, absolutely not. No, it was, oh my God, that's the way I felt. I still feel that way today, actually. So nothing has changed. I sincerely always felt like I was an enlightened being from a past incarnation because I took charge of every situation and I refused to follow human trends. Our mother used to call me the general. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I knew very young that I wanted my thoughts and my ways to be higher and more impeccable than the thoughts and ways of human beings. And so I strive to be exemplary in everything I did by placing the needs of others above my own needs. Speaking as someone who has known you your
1: whole life, I can say without hesitation that I always considered you exemplary in nature. You were the absolute
0: epitome of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, You used to say that to me. I remember that. A lot of it, again, was because of my growing up and learning about Christ. This is even before you knew Christ. Well, it was before I knew Christ. All of your qualities, all of your
1: mannerisms, right through to this day, have all been like the fruits of
0: the Spirit. But I always... You're an exemplary person. Well, thank you for saying that. But Christ did have a part in my growing up. One, because that... We grew up Catholic, even though we're not Catholic now, but growing up, Christ was a big influence in my life. Not so much the Christ in the church, but the Christ that our mother followed, because she was also exemplary and acted like Christ. Yes, she was. I, I don't really recall
1: the Catholic Church teaching about Christ. They read right from the Bible and taught you the Bible according to the Catholic opinion, but... I don't recall them actually giving any dissertations about Christ. No,
0: no. In fact, the only thing I really remember, <laughs> the only thing I really remember about going to church was I remember seeing the priest at the front of the room, and to me it was always like, and also with you. (laughs) It was just, I I never understood it. And you know, it's... I experienced the same thing. Yeah, it's reminding me of of a joke. You used to say it all the time. Uh, It was about the little boy in the rain. The family just came home from church. Tell that joke.
1: There was a terrible rain shower. And after
0: it cleared,
1: a mother let her two sons out to play. And in another while she went to look at them and she found the older one pushing the younger one's face right down into a puddle. And she told him to stop it and let his brother up. And the older one said, but mom, I'm only doing what the priest taught us. In the name of the father, the son, and in the hole he goes. <laughs> I, always, I
0: always thought that was so funny. When I hear that joke, I picture the little boy unable to hear the mumbled and muffled words of the priest until the priest gets to the part where he says, In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then the little boy, unable to make out the exact words that the priest is saying, decides when he gets home to baptize his brother the only way he knows how. It really was a wonderful play on words. You know, I remember myself being in church because when I was a child I never could hear the priest either. As I said previously, the words were really muffled and mumbled. And when you were in a church the seats were always cold, uninviting, and hard. So there was nothing warm or inviting there. And at no time did the priest's words or the inflection in the priest's voice ever raised the Spirit of Christ. It was like God and Christ were absent from what the priest was saying. And so it was like all he was doing was repeating and paverting man-made rhetoric. Getting back to my ascension, I clearly remember from the age of five my psychic intuition was high. I began predicting plane crashes and by the age of eight I knew that the very worst thing to be called in my mind was human, for humans were mean, cruel, and unkind to me. I always was a supernatural being, and I related myself to and felt a kinship with supernatural characters on TV shows and movies. Because of my awakening to human corruption and violence at such a young age, I started rejecting human religions, opinions, ideas, diets, policies, traditions, and every single popular human fashion, inclination, and leaning. As a child, I watched other children and adults kick rocks, torment, abuse, and confine animals, pull leaves off branches of trees, tear the heads of flowers of entirely uproot flowers from the ground. I watched human beings trample grass, torment, insects by stepping on them, crushing and smarting them, locking them in jars, oppressing them behind glass. As I observed adults and children litter, tease, persecute, torment, and harm other adults and children, I cried in pity and sympathy and I cringed in pain as if every vicious act was being done to me, even inanimate objects like a paper bag I felt sorrow for. Because in every single case of human torment and abuse, not one single being or thing ever harmed the person who was deliberately tormenting it this great compassion and mercy was my very first spiritual transformation i was an unusually psychic and sensitive child who even found chewing harmful so i decided not to eat for some unknown reason i was instinctively a aware in both consciousness and compassion and i always saw myself on a higher plane looking down at people rather than being a part of people. As a child, I saw the statue of Hannah Dustin standing high on a six-foot pedestal pointing downward, and I immediately related to that. That's how I felt. Only, I was looking down from the sky. Hannah Destin was a Puritan woman who was a defender of oppression, and I too was a defender of oppression. By the time I was 10 years old, I was scolding people for their lower minds and unconscious, cruel behavior. By the time I was 12, I knew I was an alien to the human race. By the time I was 16, I couldn't bear the sights, sounds, of activities of human beings or the human world, and I used music as my ascension. By the time I was in my early 20s, I read a book called Mankind by animal advocate Cleveland Amory. This book, which was about man's cruelty, abuse, and absolute violence, inequity, and disregard for non-human life forms, opened my eyes and my mind to the insanity of the human species, and therefore the best way I can describe that ascension is to say that I saw the human world for the very first time, separate and apart from God and Christ, Human beings were predators, assassins, corruptors, and destroyers of all natural creation, and they were also corruptors and destroyers of the higher mind. Realizing this, I knew I wanted to protect and defend my own higher mind from these corruptors and destroyers. So I went on a plant-based diet and began advocating for every life form in creation, especially the ones that were being victimized by men. I opposed everything cruel that humans were promoting, but I didn't get into animal activism until I started debating animal rights online. Whereas the book Mankind raised my awareness concerning all human world destruction, when I started to debate online that raised my awareness concerning all human thinking and human insanity for the way the human commenters defended their right to kill and be cruel was nothing less than human insanity i believe this was the peak of my ascension all through my life i had spiritual revelations And the sounds of music, such as the strings of a violin, a choir, voices, the sight of religious art, the mountains, animals, or the sight of the ocean, and all scenes of nature raised me from my human containment, as did all acts of creativity. I loved to draw, write stories, paint, sketch, sing, write music, cook, and make artistic toys and crafts.
1: You were highly sensitive because you were doubly ascended, empathically and psychically. I have often wondered if you carried the spirit of Christ. I never went toward any psychic ability merely because I really didn't care for the symptoms of psychic ability that I was witness to in you. I didn't want to see human spirits. I didn't want to see them on earth. I didn't want to see them mortally dead. Yeah, you didn't want to see ghosts. You didn't want yeah, to I didn't, be part of that. Yeah, I didn't want to see ghosts, yeah. I don't have a consecutive timeline for my journey. It is only because we moved so many times in childhood that I can gauge my age at all. I remember experiencing the ascension for the first time in the yard of the first house I remember living in, and I know I lived there from the time I was two until the time I was eight. My memories begin when I was in kindergarten, and I know I started kindergarten when I was five years old. Mortally, I was not enlightened, but I do remember I observed others' behavior and didn't understand them. I saw a lot of inconsistencies that confused me. I also remember I was outspoken. I believe I was closer to five years of age than I was eight years of age when I first experienced ascension. Because you were also in the yard, and to my mature perception now, you don't look much older than a toddler. As I'm two years older than you, that makes you three years old. Aside from my intellectual gifts of observing and analyzing human behavior and drawing a simple childlike conclusion about it, I don't recall holding any sentient gifts. Nature was my muse, and it always brought on ascension through the scent of the changing seasons and we lived in the city where nature was scarce. I made up songs in my childhood, but I was not aware I was gifted. I did, however, have a strong sense of what I liked and what I did not like. I was not intimidated, and I was outgoing in how to take charge personality. I picked up songs very quickly and knew the lyric by heart, and when I was with another child that was singing, if they forgot the words, I took over without being asked. I did not do this with any intention to show off, I just did it. My time spent in social situations always seemed to be centered around learning to submit to being subservient to others. While well, I was assured of the very thing they tried to do but couldn't. And in truth, I was not only confident in the talent or ability that others tried to demonstrate, but I was also competent in that talent or ability. While humans seemed to consecutively try to put me underneath them, I learned to turn inward and stay by myself rather than serve them. I found my own company preferable. My choice to be a loner continued throughout my life as I never did get the hang of human behavior and placing myself on the outside looking in gave me the opportunity to watch others and analyze them which taught my mind to process information. My first experience in telepathy was receiving songs from beyond the third dimension. I knew the first time I saw another student play guitar and sing that I wanted to do that. Only where the student sang someone else's song, I wanted to write my own, and I asked the intelligent creator to help me do that. But as a human being, I couldn't say I was anything much because I didn't work on being human. I never tried to be human, and because there was no role model for what I was, and I never defined myself, I just eked by as an improvisationalist relying on pure determination and the conviction that I deserved to be on the planet as much as anyone else. When I think back on myself as a human, I'm pretty empty and undeveloped. All my attention went into refining my mind. I didn't want to think like the rest of the human population. When I was a child and a teenager, I had crushes on celebrities, not real people, but people I had seen on the television. There was no one in flesh that interested me, and when I was with people, I frequently had a sense about them, and it was the sense of them that kept me from getting close to them. There was no one that inspired me other than of course you and ma and no one that endeared me to them my first true love was animals dogs especially even when i say i had crushes on celebrities i didn't love them i never imagined being married to them but i loved dogs i wanted to hug a dog i wanted to kiss a dog i wanted a dog but my mother didn't want to deal with one but i longed for one i knew i could fall in love with a dog and when we finally got one I did fall in love. It was a beautiful love. It was a love that was equal to my love of the intelligent creator. I loved richly and deeply with my full heart, and it came so easily to me. I didn't have to work at it, nor did I ever have any reservations. And it was my love of my dog that made me an advocate for animal welfare. The things I read about human abuse to animals broke my heart. My love for animals included the whole of the animal kingdom. And this made me love the natural world, and all of this love infused my sentient mind. So I grew up empathically. So I was fed spiritually and intellectually just by loving the natural world and the natural life forms of the earth. But humans were not a part of this. I never met a human that was as beautiful or as good as my dog or my cat. And I never met a human that was as beautiful and serene as the forest, the birds, or the mountains. The natural world and the natural life kingdoms radiated something that was magical, spiritual, and divine. Through the natural world and the natural life kingdoms, God called to me. And I remembered my ascended experience and knew this intelligence lived in nature and the natural life kingdoms. But strangely enough, it was not in man. I never found it there. So my journey has been one of awareness rising in awareness to meet the intelligent creator that came upon me in childhood. And it all culminated when I was struck by a car while crossing the street, and I awoke in another dimension fully aware, fully awake, immediately comprehending I was disembodied and aware my senses were at their highest. And when my lower mind returned to consciousness, I was aware on two planes, the third dimension and the plane my higher mind had been on, and I lived with this dual perception ever since and now I channel spirits and teach what I have learned and as religion was never a part of my journey I don't emphasize religion as the pure intelligence I know from ascended experience was the reason for my journey the emphasis of my teaching is on this intelligence
0: you know you spoke a lot about yourself in the point of view of selling yourself short which you never should do you were the most gifted songwriter and singer I have ever heard Your music far surpasses all of the greats in the pop, country, gospel, and folk music fields. Your talents are superior and God-sent, and your writing, reading, and speaking ability is the same. Your creative writing surpasses all the great authors of past and current times, and your kindness, compassion, mercy, morals, empathy, intuition, and insight are exemplary. You really shouldn't cut yourself short. No human being can touch your remarkable talents or your godliness. And if people were smart, they would have helped you in your youth. But that was their loss. That wasn't your loss. Thank you, Mercy. You're very kind. I
1: don't feel I lost. I'm at the end of my life in full awareness of the journey I have taken. And I understand the truth of immortality. What there was to gain here, in the corporal world, I have already gained. My love of nature is the prize I hold most dear. Without the discovery of my empathic, intelligent sentience, I wouldn't know the wonderful natural creations of the earth. There is no loss. These things come with me. Intelligence does not die. You see loss because you see something to be gained from human mortality. I see no gain. being human. All you collect are human recordings that play around and around in a redundant loop until you fall asleep. That's not a gain for an intellectual mind like mine. I love my empathic intelligent senses. I love my intuition, my insight, my revelations, and enlightenment. I don't need the flesh shell anymore. Human information is worthless. There is no quality to it. It is all dull, self-serving, and delusional. I don't want to put my mind to that. I want to explore nature, and man is destroying nature. So I need to be in the place that he can't touch, and he can't touch where I'm going because he does not equal the vibration of my intelligence. I'll spend my immortality exploring my senses. What better way to know God than to know the natural intelligent world he created? I'll spend my eternity in the Garden of Eden, the magnificent, wonderful, non-human natural world. I want to see the dinosaurs. I want to see nature before man ever arrived. If there is a way to watch the creation of the world, I want to see it. I want to experience the natural universe through sense intelligence, not through man's ideas about it, and not through man's opinions about it. The only way to watch the world is through your sentience. Then you learn about true life. All man amounts to is his thoughts and I'm not interested in his thoughts. He doesn't possess the intelligence of good thoughts. The only time I ever received a return from the universe was through nature. Nature's senses immediately respond to my senses. They communicate to me and I to them. We are mutually connected and mutually bonded on the sensual level. There is instant gratification. The only disturbance in nature comes from man through his abuse of nature and the animal kingdoms which creates mental and emotional illnesses in sentient life and the death of all ecological systems. And then nature cannot function naturally anymore. Man is a nuisance because of his ignorance and his self-serving love of himself that demands that every other life form serve his ego. He destroys everything. There is nothing he has to offer intelligence or sentience. He is void of both. So what am I losing? I have everything I started out with, my empathic intelligence, my analytical intelligence, and my ascended intelligence. I think I'll make all better than you, Mercy, simply because you have always longed for a return from man. You cannot see He has nothing to give. There's really nothing to him but himself.
0: I agree with you, but just to let you know, that's not how I feel. I have never, ever wanted a return from man, for I have never, ever expected a return from man. I never expected anything from human beings. And quite personally, I never got anything. I have always wanted to do things on my own, and my own way. Never did I want to be under human control, nor did I want to be a slave to human money. I always sought my own money. I am in rule, not them. They work for me. I never considered myself an underling. I am a leader. I you think might be for- a leader, too. I'm yeah, sorry you to are. A- no, it's fine. You are a leader. You might forget this. But I always saw us as self-sufficient, and what we did with our talents was all presented on celluloid. We promoted and managed ourselves, and anyone involved worked for us. Never did I ever expect help of a return from human beings, for I knew I wouldn't get one. You forget I am the one that knew I was alien to the species as a child. I am also the one who always felt insulted when anyone called me human. I never sought human accolades. I cared about my own worth and my own value. I cared that I did things that I could applaud and appreciate. I applaud morality, integrity, mercy, and all things that are fair, just, kind, compassionate, peaceful and all things that represent the highest qualities of God. Humans don't represent any of these things. Humans don't give accolades for exemplary behavior. Humans are in opposition to exemplary behavior, and they always were. That's
1: very true. Once again, the conditions in the natural world prove that, and so does man's history. There are many that stand up to defend the environment and natural life kingdoms, but they do not assert their rights as citizens of the world and demand change from their leaders. Look at Greta Thunberg. What a brilliant girl. She's all alone with all the advocacy groups and all the individuals that work to make a difference. There should be more public activity demonstrating a demand for reform. The insanity of men is loud and clear, it is deafening, but the voice of the advocate is weak and timid. I don't understand this. Scientists know plants have feelings and they don't join with other scientists that know this and advocate for the rights of natural life. Authors that write about spirituality do not band together to advocate for the rights of natural life. Even all the networks that sponsor women and children and the actors and actresses that claim to advocate do not all band together. All musicians that are advocates. The power is there, the money is there, but everyone serves themselves. They only take care of their own needs and they let the world go to hell. I don't get it. The problems of the world are caused by people, mortals, These people do not have supernatural abilities. They all need your money. That is your power right there. Stop supporting the things you do not believe in, including the government that does nothing to save the planet. Don't feed the system that feeds the destruction of the planet. Who gave the destroyers all the power? Why are the destroyers in power? No one seems to care, and everyone continues to pay the destroyers,
0: which keeps the wheel of destruction turning. That was a wonderful speech. You know, I followed this young man on YouTube. He's called Earthling Ed. I, I like Earthling Ed. I like Earthling Ed yeah. too. He's a, he's a wonderful person, and he's spot on in the things that he says. He really is an amazing animal activist. On his last video, A man was debating him concerning animal rights. The man said, my biggest concern with veganism is that sometime in the near future, these people might become the majority. And when people become the majority, there's a good chance they're going to ban what they are in opposition to. So I would rather have them remain a minority. This attitude is why more people don't band together in advocacy you see most advocates like this man he's an advocate for meat-eating well most advocates no matter what they advocate for they'll hold up a sign and they'll shout out whatever their beliefs are in this case we're speaking of environmental rights so they'll shout out save the planet but many of them eat meat and if they eat meat And if they smoke, and if they drink, or if they do anything that is harmful to the planet and the environment, well, they don't want their food and personal pleasures taken away. So in truth, they too don't want environmental change. But they'll die without their planet. Don't they know this? They are
1: only able to enjoy physical pleasure while they exist in physical form and their physical form is a natural organic form that's being mutated by the poisonous environment they are contributing to. They cannot live without their planet. How long do they think they can live in a toxic body without their planet? Why is there no concern for the quality of life? Why bother to advocate for children if you're going to destroy the planet that children live on? Why bother to advocate for anything? Why are you allowing your children to be mutated? You think because you imagine it's not true that your child is saved? You're really risking your child's life because of your imagination. No wonder Christ says the human mind is dead. This reminds me of the lyric to a Pink Floyd song. The so lyric goes like this: All in all, you're just another, another brick break in the wall. Love that song.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's and this is one. what they're acting like they're it, acting like all they're bricks in the wall. That's it. Well, they mm-hmm. literally that's truly what they are because they don't use their minds to, you know, get out of their situations. But, you know, there's something else that's going on here besides the fact that they don't want their pleasures taken away. And that is they love their friends their family members they love being popular and they don't want to do anything that's going to segregate them from their little niches and many of these people many many advocates all right have family members and friends who don't share their point of view so they're really not going to fight that hard. They're really not going to get into groups. They're not going to band together because... So um, everyone's
1: stupid. Right. And they're just all going right. to die. Right, exactly. Okay.
0: Because they, they don't want to, you know, make waves to mummy or, or daddy or their sister or their brother or their best friend or their aunt or their uncle. They I, don't want to make waves. They care about the issue. They care about the issue. I don't think they care about... To a
1: point. I don't think they care about anything. I think what they're putting ahead of everything else, is that please like me, somebody like me.
0: Well, that's Mm -hmm. exactly true. But that is another big issue in what you just said, which was, why aren't they banding together? It's self-glorification.
1: They care more that they're glorified than they care that they fight for what
0: would be glory. Oh, they don't even know glory. They don't know honor. Mm -hmm. They, They don't know anything. But, you know, just... You know, to say once more, there are many reasons why that people aren't banding together. I think it's funny that you and I really are the only ones that write environmental music. I mean, in the 1960s, during the Vietnam War, everybody was into this. Well, you really don't know
1: we're the only ones that write. Music. Industry. Oh, okay.
0: No, well no. Who's privately doing right. it? People could bri- well what I'm saying is the people who are allowed into the music industry don't do anything to advocate for the planet. Did it ever, they don't even write music for it. it ever except could, for Paul McCartney. Did it ever occur to you that the music industry
1: itself doesn't advocate for it? Of course not. Of and course not. Paul McCartney has his own money so he can do
0: whatever he wants. Uh, right, exactly. Um it's just it's a I I can't say enough bad about uh, people, I really can't, who don't even consider this issue. Because as you said, we all live in the same planet and without a planet, you're not gonna live at all. So it's kind of foolish for these people not to band together and do something to save the world. This is why I'm very protective over my mind I cannot subject
1: it to human-alien thinking and behavior.
0: You know, every time that you say that, that, that the human race is alien, I don't even consider them alien. Uh, I consider them monstrous. But I never ever considered them alien. To me, they're, they're like equal to gowls on Halloween. <laughs> yeah,
1: they they there's a lot of traits between them and the zombie outside, right? <laughs>
0: You know, you were speaking of um, how men personify God. And there are many scriptures inside all Bibles that make people personify God. While also making people believe that God's thoughts and ways are man's thoughts and ways. When human beings personify God, they are actually in opposition to who and what God is. These scriptures that personify God and depict God as a man who starts wars and destroys life and favors and persecutes life while also encouraging violence, inequity, corruption, slaughter, murder, burnt offerings, meat-eating, sacrifices, lust, greed, gluttony, all of these things were written by men they were not attributes of god they weren't divinely inspired and they weren't divinely inspired that's the truth now when you talk about the personification of god i always say if these things are not encouragements and promotions of god that these men personify god with then who is writing and encouraging and promoting them inside the Bible? And of course, once again, I just said it, the answer is men. Human beings who wish to personify God as just another human being do so to make themselves more superior. They also do it to exonerate themselves from their actions. Exactly. So... Now, let's find out who really is human and who really is spirit. Who to this day harms, kills, murders, slaughters, abandons, abuses, incarcerates, enslaves, restrains, limits, persecutes, bullies, and shows inequity, violence, corruption, and oppression to both animals and to humans? Again, the answer is men the very human beings who wish to personify god as just another human being who are the ones who still to this day litter pollute trash and destroy the planet and all of nature with all of their man-made technologies inventions and human activities and who to this day Uses animals for food, pleasure, clothing, entertainment, exploitation, and experimentation. The answer again is men. Human beings. The very human beings that personify God as just another human being. Who are the ones to this day who are warmongers, dominators, dictators, rapists, animal breeders, Animal and child abusers, thieves, robbers, vandals, hunters, fishermen, trappers, poachers, diamonds, assassins, terrorists, fire starters, arsonists, eaters of meat, slaughterers, kidnappers, slaughterhouse and factory farm workers, abusive workers in circuses, zoos, factory farms, schools, churches, animal and marine parks, sporting events, and sideshows. Who are the ones who are slumlords, animal lab testers? Who are the makers of dangerous vaccines and medications? Who are the crooked politicians, the crooked cops, the crooked mafia members, the crooked gang members, the corrupt doctors, lawyers, and healthcare workers, and professionals, and scientists, and businessmen? Who are the ones who are cruel cult members, white supremacists, drunks, drug offenders, pedophiles, sex offenders, criminals, bigots, liars, cheats, self-interest seekers, and destroyers of the world. Do you want to take a guess? The answer is men. The very men who wish to personify God as just another human being.
1: Well, I would not be one to uh, defend them, but I don't think everyone in that list would actually... Um, think of themselves as personifying God, many of them probably don't have any religious
0: affiliation whatsoever. But we don't care about them. We care only about the ones who are personifying God. Human beings and human beings alone do these things. All these things, not God. So now it's time to ask yourself, who wrote down the channeled messages of God and Christ and who spoke to Christ and wrote down his messages when Christ was alive? Humans. Very In good. In both cases. Right. The answer is human beings. And who found, interpreted, translated, and doctored the sea scrolls that held all of the biblical messages? Humans. Right. Human beings. And who rewrote, interpreted, translated, and doctored these first human writings so they could be published and sold in the first Bible. Humans. Right. And who took the first Bible and rewrote, interpreted, translated, and doctored these writings and turned them into over 4,000 recognized world religions and over 1,000 recognized World versions of this one single book. Humans. Right. So now you can ask yourself in the Bible that was written by men over and over again, four thousand times, is it God who started these wars and destroyed the planet? And is it God? Who favors, dominates, and persecutes life while also encouraging violence, inequity, corruption, slaughter, murder, burnt offerings, meat-eating, sacrifices, lust, greed, and gluttony? Or is it human beings who are deliberately writing these things and falsely accusing God as the instigator of their own human undertakings? That's right. The answer is Mm -hmm. it's human beings who do all these things, not God. And it's human beings that start, encourage, and engage in all acts of war and planet destruction. For only human beings favor and persecute life, while also encouraging violence, inequity, corruption, slaughter, murder, burn offerings, meat-eating, sacrifices, inequity, and less greed and gluttony for human profit and gain. Now when I say human beings favor... I mean, they favor themselves while persecuting all other life forms. All of this that I'm talking about today is in the book I wrote, The Kingdom Code, which of course was inspired by you because you're the actual founder of The Kingdom Code. The Kingdom Code is not just about who and what God is or how God thinks. The Kingdom Code is also about what is best for the earth and her entire life, kingdoms. In Isaiah 55.9, the Lord says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's Christ. Yes, that's Christ. And when Christ said, My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, he was speaking of men. He was speaking of human beings. For men and women to do and think, higher more moral thoughts and higher more moral things in the exact same way that God thinks higher moral thoughts and does higher moral things, then men and women must think and do things that are the opposite of the thoughts and things that they are now currently promoting, praising, accepting, allowing, doing, thinking, contributing to, and participating in right at this very moment." This is how human beings can apply the teachings of the Kingdom Code to their lives and to the lives of their children. God's thoughts and ways are higher than the thoughts and ways of human beings because God's thoughts and ways benefit the entire Earth, not just humankind. In God's thoughts and ways there are no superior dominating or favored species. Human beings say and do things that represent the thoughts and ways of humankind while they convince themselves that these thoughts and ways are God's thoughts and ways. Once again, this is how they personify God. In 1 Kings 18-21, to 21, it says, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will your thoughts and ways waver between two opinions, your own and God's? The Lord is God. Follow God's opinions. Do not follow the thoughts and opinions of men. For men are not God. And God is not a human. That's a good scripture. I like that one. Now, God's ability to acquire instinctive knowledge without reference or conscious reasoning shows that God is not a person. Because people need full consciousness for them to reason and and people don't even use their full consciousness because people don't reason and 1 John three twenty, it says God knows everything so how does God know everything whereas human beings have the ability to see here and become aware of something through their physical senses God has the ability to see here and become aware of something through mental absorption and impression God's ability of identification and interpretation of spiritual wave information comes from memories and collected information of every single creation's journey. Once this information has been presented to the mind of God, God instinctively understands that this is a representation of what each creation learned and experienced from the stimulations of their environment when they were alive. This highly perceptive ability that God holds comes from a process of mental awareness without being explicitly or physically conscious. Because God's mind is capable of transcending physical instincts, God possesses elevated awareness of all things. And this is, again, why you cannot personify God. God is not Human human beings cannot do these things. Because our life is created by God, God is connected to every single living being and natural thing through natural intelligence, which is a sophisticated awareness that extends beyond physical, mental consciousness. In Psalm 147.5, it says, God's understanding is beyond measure. In Psalm 139.4, it says, Even before a word is on a man's tongue, or a thought rises in a man's head, O Lord, you know it altogether, and you also know the outcome and consequences attached to it. In Job 37.16, it says, God is perfect in knowledge. Man is not perfect in knowledge. Man still has to learn. Putting God's knowledge and perception into perspective means you have to understand exactly what God's knowledge and perception is. The knowledge of God pertains to the information received all during a creation's lifespan and at the end of every creation's physical life cycle. Although God can give knowledge and gain knowledge and communicate with creations through their entire flesh existence, once a creation dies and passes away to eternal life, all of their information is collected and stored in the knowledge matrix. The Knowledge Matrix is a vast resource center of collected information, but any information that returns to God must be equal to God's own energy, and therefore it must be the natural information that comes from natural intelligence. Since darkness is absent from God, unnatural information that is dark in nature, does not return to God. All dark longings, leanings, actions, and thoughts that are evil, cruel, abusive, unfair, unjust, corrupt, murderous, and violent, are alien to God's perfect information matrix. But God knows of these things anyway because the thoughts of many victims of these things have returned to God So although their memories of what happened to them were indeed dark, they as creations held light and natural intelligence and natural information. When asking yourself if God knows all things, why doesn't God stop people from getting sick, going blind or deaf? And why doesn't God stop people from getting into accidents? The first thing you must do to gain the perspective of God's knowledge is to actually think about what God is. The condition of being all-knowing doesn't mean that God is all-doing. God in fact can do very little physically, for God is pure energy. God is a spirit, and energy doesn't work that way. The knowledge found inside energy works with impulse waves. And this is why a spirit can implant a thought impression or an idea in an open, receptive mind through telepathy. The transference of energy thoughts from one mind to another is a very delicate, fine-tuned process. But energy can only communicate through impulse intervention. It cannot physically interfere or intervene with any physical person. All of God's energy comes from spiritual contact. It does not come from physical contact. In matters of healing, a spirit can try to balance and realign energy inside an ailing body. But it cannot perform physical surgery or tooth extractions. But these things are physical activities. In all matters of impulse impressions, although God is all-knowing, God is not all-seeing. God, in other words, cannot finally pinpoint in detail any physical event. God can only forewarn a person... Are feelings and sensations such as illness, distress, negativity, positivity, joy, elation, or doom. God performs only two types of intervention. The first is a technique called energy balance, wherein all situations of mental and physical illness, duress, worry, or distress, God skillfully tries to heal through redirecting and rebalancing all energy waves that are out of alignment, and in all cases of future accidents, hardships, loss, or undesirable, or even desirable events, God performs a technique called sensual insertion, which is when God implants an impulse impression to forewarn or alert a person to physically think of something or to physically do something that will keep them from danger or harm. God can also implant an impulse impression to alert a person that something good is going to happen. This occurs in times when people are wondering, will I get that job? Or will this certain event happen? Or... Will my wish come true? When a person says, I've got a bad feeling about this, this is God trying to warn them of something. God wants them to be on the alert. When a person says, I feel good about this, this is God trying to tell them everything will be okay and work out. The example I always love to give concerning impulse impressions is when a person feels compelled to do something out of the ordinary. Did you ever get an impression not to go somewhere or not to do something or not to trust someone? This is God again alerting you to danger. God cannot alert you in detail. All God can do is send out A vague energy impulse wave. If God could say, don't go down Main Street today at 2 o'clock because there will be a sinkhole waiting for you, God certainly would. But God can't do this. What God does instead is sense things that are unnatural and abnormal to God's own energy field. And then God sends out an impulse wave. Many times, people instinctively feel, don't do that, don't think that, or don't eat that. These are all impulse impressions that people either take to heart or they ignore. I always say, if you get a gut feeling about something, listen to it, for it's God speaking to you. This is an impulse impression. If you have an aversion to food, don't eat the food. If you have an aversion to do something, don't do it. God works in mysterious ways, and this is one of them. This is how he sends impulse impressions. Another one of my very favorite examples of impulse impressions is when I lose an object of an item. No matter how many times I lose an object of an item, if I call to St. Anthony, St. Anthony, where did I put this? Or, if I call to St. Anthony, St. Anthony, help me find this. Sure enough, I will clearly either see the object of iden right in front of me, or I will remember where I left it or where I put it. Once again, this is an impulse impression. It's quite possible that
1: Jesus is responding to your call, not St. Anthony. I used to say a novena to St. Jude. No one ever appeared, and I never received communication. Of course, this was so many years ago, I can't remember when. It was prior to my accident.
0: Um, I used to say a novena to St. Jude. I speak to St. Jude actually quite frequently. And to answer your question, no. St. Anthony um, is, well, I don't know if this is true, but um, he seems to be... More, um, serious than Christ, and he also doesn't have his hair coloring. Um, this man literally looks like a monk. Describe him. Well, he's always in this long robe. I, I believe it has a rope, kind of belt to it. Uh, it's a brownish in color. He doesn't have much hair, but it's, it's brown, but it has a tint of red to it. So it's like a reddish brown hair, and he's he's young he's a young man is this Anthony or Jude Anthony Anthony and um, he's been with me all my life and he always answers this hasn't been one single time where he didn't answer my call and again it, he is just different than Christ his whole persona is different than Christ the feeling of him is different
1: how about how old is he
0: um, in earth years, I mean, when he was immortal. Uh, what he looks like, to me, I would say he looks like in his probably 30s. And he's very um, dedicated, solemn, and very sincere. So you don't consider Jesus Christ dedicated and solemn? No, Jesus is not solemn in any way. No. Jesus is aggravated, assertive. He wants his own way. He is very demanding. When his presence is with me, he gets very frustrated. He wants things done his way. And there really isn't any wiggle room for Yahweh. He will listen to you, but if he doesn't like something, he'll either tell you right out or he'll walk away. And you really, really have to wait till Jesus comes back and gives what you have to say some thought. And then Jesus will come back and he'll literally take over your conversation and put it in the terms he wants to put it in, put it in the way he likes. So he'll say the exact same thing that you said, but he has to be the leader. He has to be the uh, master. He gets very upset and always did get upset when you try to, to teach him something. He wants to be the teacher. And no, St. Anthony doesn't have that character. St. Anthony is very demure and quiet. St. Anthony is more of a type of person that has his hands folded in front of him at all times. He listens thoughtfully. Not that Christ isn't thoughtful, because Christ is thoughtful until you say something that goes against his beliefs or, or how he would put something. But Anthony is more demure, very, very very dedicated to his own craft. And it doesn't seem like he does anything else but his own craft. There's no diversions in this man, none whatsoever. Whereas sometimes Jesus has way too many thoughts on his mind. Do you have um,
1: an impression of what St. Jude looks like or who St. Jude is?
0: Yes, but before I get into that, I just want to let you know that St. Anthony is very into helping people. He doesn't want anybody to be in distress. He wants to them to have a mental calmness in them and peace. St. Jude is more assertive than St. Anthony, but not as Assertive as Jesus Christ. And Saint Jude has darker hair than Saint Anthony, but it's also not as dark as Jesus Christ. And he is very, I would say, stern. I would say he's probably in his 40s, and his whole attitude is, Are you deserving? If I'm going to do something for you, what are you going to do? How are you going to take what I do for you and help others? Do you have other people's interests at heart, or do you only have your own interests at heart? That reminds me of Jesus Christ. It's very much something
1: Jesus Christ would say.
0: Yes, I agree with you. The only thing is Jesus is flexible. Whereas there is no flexibility in Jude, absolutely none. You you cannot get past this hard core. He wants you to do something righteous and, and praiseworthy. And um, if you don't, and he finds that you're not deserving, then he will have nothing to do with you. Jesus wants you to help others. And he also wants you to place others above yourself. However, he is more lenient and tolerant. And he tries to understand you, whereas Jude really doesn't want to get into um, who you are. Jude wants you to be the way Jude wants you to be, and then Jude will help you. Jude is very into how he feels and and what he wants from you whereas Jesus on the other hand um, is interested of course in himself and what he wants but he also has this way about him where he is also looking
1: to please you the correlation between what you say about the Saints And Jesus Christ is very similar. And because of my long experience with him and my personal experience with him and knowing him as I do and how much he loves to, I mean, I can't even say to him, you know, I I couldn't even say to him, uh, I used to like Captain Kangaroo. Immediately I'd see Captain Kangaroo if I said that this is the way yeah. he is and Captain Kangaroo would come alive it would have Captain Kangaroo's voice and it would yeah. be for all intense purposes Captain
0: Kangaroo well this is what I'm saying when I, I back there I told you Jesus has a lot on his mind yeah well he loves doing that though
1: he loves to, he can access anybody anybody at all and bring them to life for you very easily he just it finds their wave attaches his way you know connects to their wave with his own wave, and there they are in full living color in your head um, speaking to you. And the inflection is all them. their attitudes of all them. If you know the people very well, you know, you can tell, you know, wow, he's got this one down pat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's you feel like you're really speaking to other people.
0: But it's all him. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Jude doesn't fool around. Jude isn't kid. There's nothing in Saint Jude you know, that that is um flexible is the only word. I, can I know, think of. but but that's also in Jesus Christ. That Jesus has those qualities, but Jesus has many more qualities. Jesus has
1: many more qualities, but he's only giving you a mini movie of himself like this, see? He's oh, yeah. pumping
0: that into Jude is definitely not else. Christ. And Christ is definitely not Jude.
1: Well, you would know. I, I, don't, I don't see the saints. Um, I think it's remarkable and very impressive that you do see the saints. I don't think many people could claim they had an ascended experience of a saint. And to have the ascended experience of two saints is phenomenal, in my opinion. I'm not surprised, however, you are a saint yourself. So in that way, it's not unusual that they would speak to one of their own. Do you know if they consider themselves Catholic?
0: I never asked them, but I would say by the way they act, they consider themselves believers in God, and they consider themselves God followers. I, as I said, I don't speak to them, but I mean, if if, if
1: I've had the pleasure of speaking to them, I, I would. the two questions I would want to know is, do you consider yourselves Catholic, and are you aware the Catholic Church has canonized you? They've made saints out of you.
0: And what do you I, think about this? Yeah, no, I've never asked them any questions like that. But I do know they have a um, devotion and love uh, for God and doing what is good, right, fair, and just. They're very righteous men, both of them. They're also very focused men. They're focused on their religion, they're focused on God, and they're focused on helping people. Getting back to what we were talking about concerning God's perception and consciousness, even though God is a spirit, the depth of non human consciousness would amaze you. Not just God's consciousness, but the consciousness of all living beings, plants, and vegetation. Now, when you think of God and you say to yourself, God is not human, how can you relate? God's consciousness to other non-human living creations. Plants and vegetation I think are probably the closest you can get. Although human beings want to deny a plant's complex mind merely because a plant's structure and anatomy is not like a human being's, human beings think They are the only ones that can think, communicate, emote, perceive, and feel. But this isn't true. Like God is non-human and can perceive, sense, and communicate through natural mind waves and intervention, so can plants. All that God created has a spirit, and therefore every spirit has a mind, and a mind is not a physical thing. You cannot see A spirit and you cannot see a mind. Human beings know very little about non-human life-forms because they are comparing the anatomy of non-human life-forms to the anatomy of human beings. They never take into consideration the astral anatomy of any life-form. Plants and vegetation know current time frames. They also know current weather conditions and weather patterns, as well as knowing temperature fluctuations and seasonal time frames without any man-made clocks, barometers, thermometers, or calendars. Plants and vegetation are also highly sensitive to light, sound, and touch, and they instinctively know where and how to gather food and resources both above and below the ground. Plants and vegetation can also memorize stressful environmental experiences and They can call upon, stored upon information to make complex decisions about their future environmental conditions. Reva, you asked me how can a plant have memories? A plant can have memories because during scientific observation of plants, the scientists recognized the fact that the plants recognized the difference Between the different way they were spoken to, the different way that they were touched, and the different way that they were treated. They're misconstruing what they're seeing. The plant has intelligent senses. Of course it has intelligent senses. They never
1: want to admit this, though. No,
0: they do. They they, they talk about a plant's intelligence, actually, in um, this particular article that I have been quoting. Plants can communicate, feel, perceive, and interact with their environment and surroundings, and they can identify the nature and meaning of intentions through lens-like, light-sensitive cell vision. They can identify things without eyes, and through vibration hearing receptors, plants can hear without ears. Yes. Although this study proved that plants are deserving of respect, I don't approve of scientific research for I don't believe in tormenting, stressing, torturing, killing, and harming any life form. Scientists have no moral compass. That is why they invent harmful, dangerous products, vaccines, and medications that are filled with side effects and risks. These people harm, kill, abuse, and victimize unwilling test subjects, all for the advancement of science and human knowledge. Science holds no morality, especially when it favors knowledge over pain, suffering, distress, and terror. These scientists, And researchers have no morality, sympathy, pity, empathy, decency, sanity, or justice in them, and the results, conclusions, and determinations of their findings are indisputably void of being praiseworthy and humane, especially when they cause pain, suffering, death, or additional illness. All creation is deserving of life, freedom, peace, comfort, care, safety, protection, defense, sympathy, respect, and consideration, and no life in creation deserves to be stressed, tormented, terrorized, tortured, abused, enslaved, experimented on, or forced to be placed in states of suffering and pain. Human beings that harm, kill, and mistreat any life in creation Human beings that dictate the purpose of any life in creation and human beings that devalue and minimize the lives of any life form in creation are lacking in morality, decency, honor, fairness, righteousness, nobility, uprightness, integrity, and moral principle. When a person doesn't have a good understanding of non-human life forms, and when a person doesn't have a good understanding about what goes on inside animal research laboratories, kill farms, factory farms, slaughterhouses, kill shelters, and inside sports and entertainment industries that use animals for products and amusement, They tend not to take any responsibility for their actions every time they attend and support these events and industries, and every time they contribute to or participate in what goes on inside these events and these industries. It is like when a person doesn't have a good understanding of the Bible, God, or Christ. When a person doesn't have a good understanding of the Bible, God, or Christ, they tend to avoid evade, dodge, shun, deny, neglect, and lose sight of their responsibilities to be caretakers of the earth and all of God's creations. And this is why animal research laboratories, kill farms, factory farms, slaughterhouses, kill shelters, and sports and entertainment industries that use animals for products and amusement exist in the first place. Remember, most of the world's traditions were founded on the misinterpretations of the Bible, God, and Christianity. The only way you can investigate intelligence
1: is through intelligence. And for that, you will need to use your mind. Ascending will lead to the answers because the mind is made of intelligence. The investigation of intelligence is a peaceful investigation. Nothing is harmed. When you harm something, you show you're not intelligent. When the carnal mind doesn't understand something, the intelligent human identity knows it shouldn't destroy what it doesn't know. The intelligent mind knows it is time to reflect, ponder, and consider where intelligence comes from. This will lead the intelligent mind to realization that intelligence does not come from the flesh, if it did, there would be no destruction caused by the flesh. Therefore, since intelligence isn't created by matter, it must be created by antimatter. And as any corpse will reveal, there is no intelligence radiating from dead flesh, so there must be a higher source that created all things. So the intelligent identity ponders some more, and intuition will come in the way of spiritual communication. The spirit is not flesh. The spirit is antimatter intelligence with access to all intelligence. I learned the science of nature from Jesus Christ and mother, and we didn't harm anything. The contrast is amazing the brutality of ignorance that man displays and the divinity of intelligence that the
0: ascended spirit shows. That was an excellent dissertation and it reminded me of something I recently said that I wanted to clarify. When I said you couldn't see a spirit, I want to make it clear that I used the word spirit not to mean a ghost or echoplasm. As a psychic, many times when I say things I can clearly hear future audience responses questioning or commenting on my words. This was one of those times. When I say you cannot see a spirit, I am referring to research studies. No matter how hard scientists and researchers try to physically determine the mind's knowledge and comprehension. You cannot see the spirit that resides in the energy body of any natural life-form. Nor can you see or find the spirit's mind. And this is why scientists and researchers dismiss the fact that all creation has a spirit and a mind. They only accept the physical matter that they can physically study. Every single sensation a life form feels and experiences through the mental and physical senses returns to God so God can assimilate and process and store that information in a matrix of knowledge as all information is returned to the Creator Source. God knows all things that can happen To every single life form. On the earth. Because at one time or another. When that life form returned. With that information. It was. Recorded. And this includes. All of the things that were done. To animals and non-human life forms. In experimental and research laboratories. When you're talking about. Uh, The people personifying God, why don't they personify plants when plants are really the closest thing to God as far as God's perception? Because God also doesn't have an eyes. God doesn't have a nose. God doesn't have a mouth. God also works with vibrations and waves and so do plants. Rains could create floods and wash life forms away. Trees and branches could fall and destroy what they struck and landed on. Storms, volcanoes, and quakes could destroy lands and waterways. And snow and ice could cover lands and waterways and make life slip, freeze, and fall. This is part of the information that God perceives when any life-form Returns to God with the memories of this information now the way that I know it is a much different way Well, tell information us
1: information is streaming Constantly it is always streaming from the higher to the lower dimension of course it is and Constantly it has nothing to do with when you die your information well you're no you're constantly receiving information from the higher.
0: Of course you're constantly receiving information from the higher and the higher is constantly receiving information for you but not until your death. Until you actually part from the earth does every bit of your information return to the information source.
1: God but it's not
0: all kept within God. It's all kept in a matrix in a matrix of information but it doesn't really reach the highest point. But it is in a matrix of information that God has access to because God is the highest of information. God knows the rain is wet, the sun is hot, the winter is cold, the summer is warm. God knows the trees and plants give life through oxygen, shade, shelter, and food. God knows where the sun gives life through light, warmth, and solar energy. And God knows the waterways in the ocean give life through oxygen and life-sustaining liquid to drink, while the rain replenishes the waterways. But the difference between God and man is there's no one who cares. But we're talking about... Of course, man doesn't care either. No, we're talking about the personification of God. And the personification of God... Is something that you, you that man tries to do but you really can't do because as I'm trying to teach in this particular document look at all the things that God can do without physical form you can't personify God there's no way God isn't a person look at the things you can do people can't do these things sure they can no people have to gain knowledge through physical example and physical learning. They can't gain knowledge without this. There's no way they can gain knowledge. You don't gain the knowledge of ascension through touching anything. Well, this is I more. never did anyway. This is more than ascension. How would a man know what wet felt like? Unless he experienced wet. God doesn't have to be rained on. He can experience it just through the connection he has with the rain.
1: Where man goes wrong is man doesn't take the time to even
0: experience his senses. No, and he doesn't care about them either. All he cares about is the senses that give him pleasure. God gains knowledge from every single living being, including animals. God knows that the animals, birds, fish, reptiles, rodents, insects, uh, po- pollinators God knows that they are all important to fertilize the lands with their waste and to support the web of activity in a functioning ecosystem does man care about these things
1: man doesn't care about the world he cares about no. what's in his imagination
0: no exactly so once again you cannot personify God because God knows man doesn't care about these things man but God knows these, God. these things God informs man of these things before they arise and happen for God instinctively knows the great dangers and detrimental consequences of these things that man do before they do them and now you're going to ask me well how does God inform them through intuition you have to remember the mind holds spiritual energy and this energy can literally communicate even though it has no physical form or consciousness The energy of God speaks to men through the mind, and God now has access to so many human minds that passed on and that joined with God's mind that God's communication abilities are endless. Human beings can't comprehend the mind of a plant, and they also can't comprehend the mind of a spirit, and this is why they can't comprehend the mind of God. And when I say human minds joined with God, I mean, of course, that information has joined with the God matrix field of information. In Isaiah 42.9, the Lord says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare, before they spring forth. I tell you of them. Jesus in Jesus' lifetime was receiving information from God. And that's how Jesus had all of this second sight that he used to figure things out and to figure out mankind. Because God learned what kept the earth and all life forms alive before human life, was even in existence. God knew that once human life came into being and that human information returned to the creator source, that human activity would soon destroy all of the earth and life forms that God had created. You asked me about this, I believe it was um, yesterday. You were, you were upset because you said God does not foresee things. Because the information of human activity now fills the knowledge banks of the God matrix. God can foresee all storms, quakes, droughts, floods, and extreme temperatures and weather conditions that would lead to crop losses and agriculture disasters from man's human activity. Because mankind is now in the world, no longer is the activity in nature balanced and organized for human beings became the predators of all natural life in existence. Any man that tries to personify God doesn't know God. For any man that knew God would know you absolutely cannot personify God for God is not human and He's a much higher being than a human being could ever be. The recognition of human qualities in God are merely metaphors that reflect the fact that God is absent of all violence, inequity, and corruption. And therefore, God cannot display these things. As a pure energy creator, God can only create purity. What happens After a creation is formed, all depends on the elements, surroundings, stimulations, environment, and influences that the creation experiences on their life journey. Since God has nothing to influence God's energy, God's energy essence and information remains pure light. It is unburdened And innocent and free of corrupting influences and this wave of unburdened light feels loving peaceful and welcoming and this is why Jesus described God with the fruits of the Spirit God to Jesus felt loving merciful peaceful and kind all of the things that held no darkness to smother the light. Jesus was not trying to personify God as a human being as men do. Jesus instead was describing God's energy wave using references that were the opposite of darkness so men would go towards the light rather than sink deeper and further into their own degradation pit.
1: No one teaches the Bible the way you do, Mercy. You not only bring new life to a very old book, You bring intelligence to the book. Since we have now finished covering the personification of God, our next episode will be the invention of Jesus Christ. The invention of Jesus Christ is the version of the Christ that man invented after the actual Christ's death. I'm Reva Christ. And I'm Mercy Heavens. May May peace be be with you, you, and thank you
0: you for listening. listening.